So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Tai Kefu! Did he get it? That's the match winner! And we're back with another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. And I am back. Archie here. I've taken back over the reins from Leo. He had his reign of power for one episode, but I've taken hold again. And boys, we've got to talk about that game last night. The Wallabies versus France. Game two down in Melbourne. 28-26 as France snatch victory from the Australians. They, they get to see what it feels like this week with the last minute uh, penalty. Please, this wasn't a very impressive game from the Wallabies, was it? I'm sure they could put a highlights package together, which would make us look amazing. It just, it'll leave out the the unforced errors, which were there in game one and still here in game two. Um, and, and, you know, things like the, that Marika try getting called back, which was devastating um, after Tom Wright knocked it on not taking the ball on the full, which is a rookie mistake. Um, so it, it, there, there were moments where we looked great, but for a lot of it, it was disjointed. Um, forwards weren't linking to backs. We were fairly flat in our attack. And the French just brought a lot of muscle, a lot of physicality again, and we didn't match it. They, they had a couple of series where they ran it up the middle and just rolled and rolled and rolled. And we were just falling away, losing ground and, we were lucky, I think, to get a penalty once in a uh, off a of pilfer, and I think it just broke down a second time. We were, we were oh no, it got held up over the line. So um, yeah, there's heaps to work on again. Um, but you know, clutch kicking from Noah. You got to got to give the kickers their due. Um, amazing game. He's he's looking really solid. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting question whether Jock can get his ten back. Yeah, I think the, the defensive effort of the Wallabies has to be praised, as well as France. I think their defence was awesome. Both teams made, I think, 90% of their tackles. So the Wallabies have come away, uh, come a long way from last year in terms of defensive prowess, but we're still not able to really execute in key moments in attack, um, whether it be little forward passes here and there. You know, Tom Wright knocking that ball on, I thought it was a knock-on when I saw it. Then I kind of forgot about it because they didn't call it. It's a shame it had to go back because Marika really deserved that try um, and a nice little try celebration to go along with it. But, yeah, it was a similar story to game one, really, and we nearly won it in the same fashion as game one. Just this time it swung the French's, the, the France's way. And, I mean, I, I'm just, I feel a lot of disappointment because I think there's potential there but we're not quite ready to realise that yet. And I wonder when that's going to come. So I know we were all very upset with how this game was refereed. Um, we were firing messages back and forward during the whole game about penalties not being penalties and just missing it. And we, we did feel, as every true blue Australian fan, Wallabies fan, would feel that we got the, the rough end of the stick um, with a few of these calls on here. But was this just the French playing the whistle better, playing the ref better? 
They seem to be all over the ruck. They seem to spoil our ball so often with balls sort of popping out the side with forwards and Gordon having to jump on them at different times. And we, we very rarely seem to have phases of clean ball in a row. And the only times we did, we seem to suddenly be looking amazing. Well, in as far as the French were definitely more loose, more um, like le- the less concerned taking risks and, and just throwing bodies at the ruck and throwing their hands on and around the ball. Um, if that's playing the ref because the ref's incompetent and you know that, then sure. I didn't see either captain having much of a word um, to the ref in this game. There wasn't a whole lot of like, you know, management of the ref. Like we're used to seeing halfbacks or, you know, um, senior captains of teams chatting to the ref all the way through the game and, and you know, questioning calls and putting little ideas, you know, oh, that's a couple of penalties, like when are you going to have a word? Didn't hear much of that. Maybe that's just the mic's not picking it up. Well, the French guy, the French captain can't speak English, so that probably hurts his chances. Yeah, well, that's um, true. You're right with Hooper. I didn't... Usually Hooper's a bit more chatty, and I think he's gone away from that, um, you know... In, under Cheka, he was aggressively talking to refs a lot of the time. And I think that was working against him. So I almost feel like he's stopped doing that. But maybe he stopped doing it a little, little too much. I think you've got to say something. Like the run they had in the first 25 minutes, which is obviously a set a series that the Wallabies have focused on, being really strong early, um, running the ball really hard, being like really high tempo, um, trying to get that that lead from the start of the game and to have it all break down a few different times when the French were hands in the ruck, the French were um, offside, picking up a ball they weren't entitled to because it was a ruck and there's not, not time for hands. Like there was multiple instances where the refs just completely missed that stuff and there was even times when we were getting penalised and we'd done nothing and they were just all over the ball um, illegally. And like that, that's something you've got to recognize as a captain you say okay hang on there's been a couple of bad calls here i'm going to say have a word and say so like okay understand it you know called it against us not arguing that you know can you watch for them not supporting their weight like they really have trouble having trouble seeing them supporting their weight before they're getting on the ball just little comments you don't you don't tell him what he should be doing you've just got to bring his attention to things because you're the only guy that's going to do it and if if we're not doing that then we're missing a chance surely he definitely gave Nick Berry a spray there on the sideline when he didn't call that holding on penalty in one of the rucks when the French made a break and Hoops brought down... Ran down the number the line, yeah. Carbonet or whoever yeah. it was, and then they were over the ball and Nick Berry didn't call it from the sideline. So that was the one time I really saw him get aggravated towards the referee. But, yeah, I feel like he's less vocal than previous years. Um but he's leading from the front as always, Hoops. But I, yeah, I agree. I think he probably needs to speak up a little more. Yeah, just highlighting that the French were consistently seeming to get their hands on the ground first and doing that and then breaking back to the ball a lot. Uh, I and think they're offside something... all the time. Yeah, it took it took a mic breakdown and then having to actually go fix the ref. Mic. I don't know. I reckon maybe his mic was working, but they literally <laughs> had to come over like, man, they were offside like every single ruck in the last like three phases, you really have to call one of these. It's like, oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, because you don't see that very often, do you? To make a point of it like that, you'd think it was more than one instance. That's it. It must have been reasonably blatant. And I think I saw at least a couple that were pretty blatant, even after that, that that did seem to get called. Now, 
Like, do you think there was more of a problem with our forwards in this game? I know that obviously the reserves came on and we lost that scrum and got that penalty, which resulted in Javanet hitting that last sort of 78th minute penalty for us to lose it. Or was it the backs? I've seen a lot in sort of social media this week about us not having the game breakers at the moment. Like outside Marika, people are worried that the rest of the back line isn't seeming to be able to break the line on their own. Uh, I think we've got, I think individually we've got the game breakers. The, the way it's breaking down, you know, you put a little bit of France being offside, um, you know, pressuring that line and not, and the ref not calling it. The Wallabies maybe being a bit too predictable. They went sort of out the first receiver to a forward and then, and then looping, lapping around. It was pretty easy to read by the end of it. I think that was easy for the French to press up and put pressure on Lolasiu and, and Tamua. Um, so that that shut down a lot of lines. It made you know a lot of the runs Hunter uh, had coming off balls off those plays were pretty much straight into a defender. He didn't have much much time to you know step or find space. Um, so between that and then the forwards getting slowed down regularly, got French um, sort of lagging behind the, the tackle and getting in the way of Australian players. You know, Lucan got penalised for pushing a guy out of the way who was clearly in the way was going to stop him getting a good clear out, and Lucan gets penalised for pushing a guy off the ball. Like that's the sort of call we were dealing with in this game at critical times. But that sort of stuff, and and probably the person I would would pick on maybe was Jake. Early on, he was slow. He he was not keeping his eye on the ball. It came out a couple of times. He was slow to get on it. Um, and he's we noticed that he wasn't passing off the ground. He's he's sort of taking some steps and passing. Um, sort of upright and that's just all taking time away from the players who need that little bit of time, that little bit of space to have that impact run. And so we just get a bit stunted by that combination of, of issues. Mm. I think, I think Jake improved after the first bit of the, the first half, but yeah, he was a bit slow out of the blocks again. Um, you know, Little darting runs and little snipes that he had later in the game were really good. And obviously scoring that try was, was a nice bit of vision, um, talking to Taniella at the base of the ruck. I think Tom Banks actually had a better game um, in terms of injecting himself. He probably then deserves another opportunity at 15. He has a lot of pace. He, he actually has quite a bit of size about him. When he gets into space, he looks really dangerous, just needs support around him. And that, you know, obviously when he broke through and Kellaway got the ball and then popped up to hoops to score... That's the type of stuff we need to see more of through the middle rather than trying to beat this French team laterally. And that's what you're talking about probably with Hunter, you know, trying to run around them a little bit and run into them and it's just not working. So every time we try and go wide too early, and this has been a theme with the Wallabies for a number of years now, try and go wide too early without earning it and it becomes a problem. Um, but I think overall, if you, if you actually replace Tamua in that back line and Tom Wright, he may be dropped because of this performance, but he is a game breaker genuinely. And if you had more of a, a guy that can break the line at 12, whether that's Hunter Paisami into 12 and some, someone else in 13 with a bit more dyna- like dynamic play to them, I think our back line looks a lot different. Um, but having Tamua there is a bit, he's not a genuine game breaker. And Noah obviously is more of a 10. He's not going to break the game open himself like Jock could. So between the two of them, I think you do lose a little bit in the back line in terms of potency. If Jock was fit right now, would you put him back into this starting team for the next test? Yeah. I, th- I think you would have 10? to. 
Yeah, I think you would have to. And it's only, it's, it's no disrespect to Noah because I think he's absolutely played, um, you know, he, he hasn't been lights out or anything, but he has been solid enough. His kicking's been impeccable. Um, he, he has managed the situation in, in the context of the game quite well, but we're probably lacking a bit of that physicality um, if, if we want to get rid of Tamua, who I reckon is absolutely battered after these two games, went off with an HIA, he just looks he looks tired. If anyone needs a rest after these two games, it's him. Um, you lose him, you, you want to put someone who's just that little bit bigger, that little bit more willing maybe to just take it to the line when you have to, not not force a pass, but not, not be um, avoiding contact. Not that I think Noah's done that particularly, but I think O'Connor will make more of the contact. He's and then ideally to me... Work. Yeah, but ideally you then slide Hunter in and you do get Ikitao outside. And we saw both those guys bumping off their first defender. And I think they just need to go straight. When they make that good contact and bowl a guy over and, and basically break the tackle, they need to just straighten up rather than crabbing. And that will give room for their support runners to stay outside them or, or inside or outside while the defenders swamp in to try and make the follow-up tackle. And that's that's where we're not really gaining any ground where we're making those bus tackles, but we're ending up with a runner in their backfield and they're just swarming the ruck. And we are actually getting outnumbered because we've created an isolated situation for that player. I, I do think what we saw from Iki Tao when he came on, um, it is a bit different to Paisami's direct, Paisami's direct running. He does look to get on the outside. He's got a bit more of that footwork to him. And I think he will look a bit more for those offloads that maybe is what we need to get in behind their line. Um, so I did like seeing a little bit of that. Paisami put away the boot this game. Um, didn't see him try and kick it all. Do you think that was a, a thought from Rennie to tell him to put it away? Or do you think he just regretted some of those kicks from the week before? Maybe this just went on. Um, we know that that kick in the first game that went over Kellaway's head was you know, a couple of metres from being, you know, number one on your highlight reel. Um, but, yeah, it looked like they wanted to go lateral hard and early, and I guess the kicking didn't really build into that. They may not have found um, the opportunity to do that in this game as much, particularly with the French pressing up so much um, in, in the line. There's not a lot of time to put those kicks through. Um, Hunter was used as a battering ram in this game more than anything. Yeah, and Tamua was getting his hands on the ball at first receiver a lot more in this game, which I think changed, yeah, the way that Hunter was used. Because in the first game, Hunter was in at first receiver a lot more, which opened up the kicking game. Tamua, I think, played better. Um, you know, definitely what better in this game. He can put away the cut pass though, can't he? Oh my god, the long, loopy, slow. He can't throw that pass anymore. Out. He's got no power behind it. It's fifty percent forward too. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. just it's the not like the games is nothing. Yeah, it is. It's that that's the rebel season that pass. Honestly, that's definition of not earning the right to go wide and throwing that. Looking at the forwards, and obviously we're expecting to have some sort of rotation happening in this next game. I mean, it's four days until the next game. It's not a long time for some of these players that have played significant minutes over the last ten days. Um, what position in the forward pack are you most worried about if we have to rotate? Hooker. It's exactly what I was thinking as well. It's, yeah, I it's, think it's key. Because what happens if you have to bring in like Connell McInerney or something, like because you're just not be, confident? 
that Lonergan can hold up. I think, but yeah. Kaitu, yeah, well, okay, that maybe. I think, but we His definitely BPA did light. see a drop-off when BPA had to come off the field, and BPA seemed to keep our set-piece fairly solid. There were a couple of line-outs um, that went astray. Um, but not his throw. That they were the French reading it well and getting up and spoiling. Oh, he, did over, he, he did overthrow one in their attacking quarter um, where oh, we okay. sort of were looking in. But yeah, you're right. French getting up and... They were uh, aggressive in the lineouts. They knew that they could contest and throw a couple of guys up. Yeah, I think... Look, Noss, Noss is great around the park. He's still got a lot to learn. We saw it with that mall that he was on the back of, didn't know what to do when it fell apart. Some of his throws were, were worse in this game. To start him, I think it's a bridge too far. I think you go back probably to someone like Kaitu, which he's a more experienced player across the board in domestic rugby. Sure, he hasn't started or been capped for the Wallabies yet, but he's got a lot more experience yeah. across the board. So I think he could be trusted. I wouldn't be surprised if BPA starts again because I think he's got the motive for it. I think he's got... Um, you know, this is a season where he wants to leave it all on the line. He's going overseas. So I think he'd put his hand up to do it. Whether he gets picked is another thing. Um, but there's, there, there are some key positions, I think, in that forward pack that if we do rotate, we're going to be a lot worse. Are we agreed now that this back row is our best back row? Because I think we saw a lot more from Valentini this week. Not so much in attack. We only saw a couple of sort of good runs, but especially in the second half, his defence was immense. He made tackles, he made them stick, and he stopped players. Yeah, I yeah. agree. On our line as well. Yeah. I think Nicerani is still pushing him. Like, I think every time Nicerani comes on, you see a real impact. But it's a different impact to what Valentini brings. And I'm not sure you probably get as much potency in defence from Nicerani. I think an attack... He's consistently bending the line and making meters, yeah. but his work rate and his defensive skills versus Valentini probably still lacking. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think this is our best back row at the moment. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I really want to see more aggression, more, more focus on stealing the ball, uh, particularly in those times where the French have decided to just roll, roll the phases straight up the middle forward phase, forward phase, forward phase. And, and we're really just, you know, we're making the tackles, but we're not slowing it down. We're letting them get front foot ball. They're just, just rolling metres at a time. Having someone go in there, uh, you know, uh, Hooper did, but did it on the line. It was absolute at the death, desperation stuff. But having, having someone who can really contest and get on ball early and firmly is so valuable in those situations because you just put that uncertainty in their mind that, they can't afford to just roll face, face, face because the pilferer sits back and he waits and he looks for that guy who gets a bit isolated, kind of like I was describing before, just kind of tumbles through the Australian line a bit and then there's just that bit of obstruction. You can get on the ball before anyone else gets there. It's not a ruck yet. We need that. And and I don't know that Valentini or Wilson are really proponents of it. So Hooper needs to pick it up. BPA has a go every now and then. That's really it. There's you know, it's sometimes Taniella, I guess, but... If someone needs to make that a focus in those situations, someone's got to have that job, get on there and pressure the ball. You know, sometimes you're going to slow it down, but the way the refs are blowing the whistle, you might get a penalty even if you don't deserve it. I think we're looking in defence a lot more at the hits and the contact rather than actually getting on the ball in the rucks. Whereas the French, 
although they were still hitting hard, it feels like every person in their forward pack can Someone pilfer. was assigned to the ball. Or their centres, yeah, they can yeah. put pressure on the ball, slow Third it down man. at the very least, hopefully not get penalised, which I think the first, you know, the referees in both these games have been lax on. Like, they should have pulled them up a lot more than they have. Cameron Wokey was excellent. I think, um, for example, that last penalty to France, I think, in, in their half, late in the game, he wasn't holding his own body weight. I think that's a perfect example of not supporting your own body weight, still getting the penalty. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the Wallabies really do have to make that more of a focus and contest the breakdown without overcommitting, um, if that makes sense. That the French had a very repetitive structure. It was two men in the tackle, third guys on the ball. It happened over and over and over. And they didn't always get it. They rarely got penalised for it. Um, but they were always slowing it down. They were always giving themselves a chance. And if that's the way they, the refs are going to ref it, like that's not the way they've been refing Super Rugby. And these are the ones who've been refing Super Rugby. So they've dropped the, the focus because probably the French haven't had a dose of it and what maybe they're expecting it's unfair to maintain it. But the Australians are very nervous around they're, they're not trying anything that might get pulled up. And that's, right. and that's where Australia try to be too disciplined and lose opportunities. Don't really push the line, Richie McCaw style. What can I get away with? What little advantages can I steal? Yeah, I haven't seen much of that dark side. I've seen plenty of heart in this team, plenty of resolve and commitment to playing 80 minutes. And some of our best rugby has been in the last 10, 20 minutes of games, which is unusual for us. Um, we've tried to f- start fast. We haven't done that. Um, but we've kind of built into the game. And I think our conditioning's been good, but we haven't seen that dark side of the Wallabies yet, really, in terms of proper physicality, aggression, and just you know doing savvy things at the rucks, things like that. I think that's something we need to get better at. So you're Dave Rennie. You have three. Well, you you only really have 24 hours to go out and name your team for this Saturday. You need to win this series. You need to go out there at Suncorp. That's that's a bonus. You're playing at Suncorp on a Saturday night. You're going to have a big crowd there. You've got an excellent record there. What team are you putting out on the park? What changes are you making? What players are you keeping in? We don't know who's feeling particularly battered and bruised from these two games. And like Toby was saying, there's been a lot of physicality in the contact. Some guys are going to be carrying some bruises, some some soreness, some tightness. Um, so not knowing how that may impact some of them. I think Harry Wilson coming off a bit earlier in this game, being subbed off probably means they'd like him in the third. They've just taken 20 minutes out of him, 30 minutes out of him. So possibly he's in there. Um, I honestly think maybe it's me personally, but um, I think you need a big Reds injection, home ground for the Reds. You need that attitude. You can add people like Fraser McWright into the mix you get Tate starting. If Jock's healthy, put Jock in, put Paisami in at 12 and just create that combination. You, you need that well-oiled combination in the inside backs. Um, I think those are some key changes that I'd be making. Uh, and then I'd just be trying to add a little bit more size um, maybe to the forwards. We, we, we need to stiffen that up. Maybe maybe Phillips had enough minutes and, and or even maybe even Lucan, I'm not sure, but like someone like Tamani, Maybe maybe put Tamani in or maybe Darcy Swain gets a run to start. Like, like bring bring that, you know, youthful energy into your starting side. Um, I think Philip and Salah Lucan just haven't had the penetration, haven't had the 
the the gain line superiority that you would hope you get out of his second rows. It's time to change them up too. I personally wouldn't be changing the team much if I could afford that. I think it comes down to recovery, like Leo's saying, case-by-case case basis. But, yeah, I'd be looking to keep the majority of guys in the team, um, whether the bench has a lot of changes to it or whether the guys on the bench are starting and then we kind of rotate that way. It's a very, very key game. I don't, even though he's kind of hinted at sweeping changes, I don't think we're going to see like an Australian A team or anything like that. I think he wants to keep as many people as possible, you know, in that first 15 to be retained. But it's, yeah, it's a question of, you know, if Tamu is really beat up, you're not going to start him. But then that means that you're rejigging the back line. So, again, you lose that experience, but you're forced to move Paisami around. It is quite disruptive. Well, you don't. You can put Simone into 12, put him next to Noah. You had that 10-12 yeah. combination. It's, it's, it, that, that's true. It's a big ask of Simone. But I think that's, that's the point, right? He is saying, well, the squad has to be ready regardless. They left some guys in Sanctuary Cove on purpose so that they could just keep preparing. So I think they've been planning for this outcome. Um, you saw Hosea in Melbourne, you know, warming up. Farmacilli, some of the Melbourne-based guys, guys that weren't even named in the squad, proper squad, but have been fringe guys there. So maybe the guys that were left behind will actually, uh, you know, genuine chances to come straight into the 23. Something else which plays into this, and I'm not sure we have the answer, fitness of players like White, like Jock, like Hodge. Like, what do we know about those guys? Because... Like it, it, it may be tempting to bring someone like Hodge in somewhere um, as as that experience, you know, a bit bit of extra long range kicking if you need it. Um, kicking has I, been the least of our problems. This is the one thing that's not been a problem this series. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. But then again, if, I think Dalgunu comes back in. Someone like I, I would love to see Dalgunu come in. Like Tom Wright's wing, he starts with yeah. Korobiti. Home ground, or home ground. Um, Zero. thing for him yeah just like bringing that energy and he's played some great 50 minute stints um in in recent times and and i think he could have an impact at Kellaway, while he kind of feels like the next guy up i guess because he's been on the bench i'm not sure he's a i'm not sure he's a guy you start like i think he's done a really good job coming on late um and playing smart i'm not sure that that's that's the guy i pick i think i, I think i picked someone like dalgunu to just do another Marika, like just be another guy who's just in, got absolute intensity, is taking it to the French all the time and hopefully is competent enough, obviously, to not make a bunch of errors, which I think, again, he's, he's capable of. Slipper started both games. Would you I'd feel like he's a potential to not be able to start another game in a row? He's getting on in these years. Would you trust someone like Angus Bell to start in this game? Yeah. He's been good. He has been He's good. He's been really good. So you're thinking maybe a Bell, BPA, Taniella front row? That's a very dynamic front row. Yeah, I like it. I think we need to. If they're all fit. Yeah. I think Bell's done enough. He sometimes has these odd scrums where he just gets pushed off the ball for some reason. And other times he looks really solid. So I'm not sure he's the complete package at scrum time. But I think you get a lot from him around the park. He's quick. He's got good hands. Um, so the scrum's probably my only concern. But Slipper, like, yeah, he's played a lot of minutes for his age. Um, 
And yes, yeah, Theo's obviously still injured. So if you have Slipper on the bench, if you get into trouble, we bring him on. Looking at the uh, the French now, so the I mean we've already highlighted a few names here and there. Who are the key names you think that they'll want to be bringing back for this third game potentially in a row for them? Like in my head, Cameron Wokey, like as you said, Toby, I think that guy's a future star, like in the making already. Um, just so dynamic and so disruptive in attack and in defence. Um, the other guy that I thought had a great game was their hooker, um, Barlow, Gaetan Barlow as well. Um, I think he's definitely one that they'll want to keep out there. Who else? I think um, Tau Fafina, uh, Fafina <laughs> um, coming off the bench, like he was, he was really um, visible, uh, had a lot in... Had a lot of um, instances holding our players up, slowing the ball down, putting hits, driving us back. Like that's something that I didn't notice as much from their starting second rows. So yeah, he did start in the first game. I think he did. He had less of an impact. Right. He does he, he doesn't. Yeah, it's a similar question to Taniel. Where do you want the impact to come from? He's a massive unit. Um, I'm not sure he has 80 minutes in him, so maybe you get a good 50 out of him. But he was very impressive, and he made a real impact when he came on, like you said. Same um, with Demba Bumba, one of my favourite yeah. names in world rugby. Who was a bit underwhelming in the first game as well, yeah. so it's interesting again, these guys that come off the got to kick up the arse and then, they, yeah, they come on the second game and make a real impact. I thought that the team overall in this game, though, that, like, I wouldn't change a lot for France. I think Pinot was good, Dante was good. So that's twice for them. So they're, they're running their guys. That's more the forwards we're concerned with. Jelanche, I think, happy with him at eight. He's bigger than I actually thought he was. Like, seeing yeah. his lineup, he's a big unit. Um, Cameron Wokey at seven, also a big unit, but can do a lot over the ball and in general play. So maybe it's just more their second row and props I don't know a whole lot about apart from Bumba. I just... Love the name. <laughs> but they'd already made some changes. So the guys yeah, that started this game, yeah, they, they've had a big, they've had a big game, sure, but they haven't had two um, for the most part. So um, I don't know if if the French fans would believe that this team is better on paper than the game the game one team, but I think they've proven to be just as good. You could probably stick with a lot of the same again if they're fit and they're coming off a win. They're going to be, you know, really confident. Um, they're going to want to apply what they applied in this game too, and you know if there's a if there's a proper a, a row who who needs a break, then again just roll them onto the bench and bring the game one guy on. It's it's I, I think they're in a pretty good position. It, it will be most interesting to me if they stick with that back line because one thing I said to you guys when we were watching, I I was worried getting through that second half, feeling like we hadn't seen a lot of the French back line in open play. They just didn't have a lot of ball. We had a lot of possession, like in game one, and they hadn't really had a chance to flex their muscle. And when they did, they just looked slippery and we were getting tired and I was getting quite worried that they were going to break out. Um, and, yeah, that, that that combination that they've got a really slick-looking group there. So if they're all fit and happy to go again, um, I wonder if they make change at all. I just, I'm really hoping they had a massive celebration last night and some of them are feeling a bit under the weather and their recoveries and kind of hampered by that. Um, but I don't know whether they shared a plane back to Brisbane with the Wallabies because I think the Wallabies went back this morning. 
um, interesting to see that because they travelled down on the same plane. Mm. So the time the time comes predictions, boys. Uh, Who's well, the ref? Yeah, that's important. Is there a competent ref? Because if there's someone who's going to call... Just give me Nick Berry. I don't care. Yeah, anymore. I'll happily take Nick Berry. I just don't want the fourth stringers we've been getting. Um, My God. If the French bring the same style of play into the third game, but a ref who knows what he's doing blows it up when it deserves to be blown up, I think that will make a big difference because it will force the French to change their style of play in that first 20 minutes based on what they've done these first two games. And that will mean that they're on a bit of a, a penalty run. If they don't, it means there's pressure. There could be cards. It's been great not seeing a whole bunch of cards and injuries and stuff in these games. We've actually had very pure had no um, cards, sort of 15s. Right? Yeah, that's right. No okay. cards and and no really horrible injuries. Insane. No one getting nailed in the air. Like it's, it's nice that we're just getting clean contest, but that they will need to change the way they're playing and, I mean, I'd be interested to see what they do in that situation, but I'd be much happier just knowing that the Wallabies aren't getting um, impacted negatively by, you know, poor, poor calls, really. Like just a lack of, a lack of fairness in, in the contest. So I was actually looking back at when... So it was back last month that they were announcing the referees for these games and they have actually changed a little bit, I think, with... Um, New Zealand bubbles being paused and such. We were supposed to have Paul Williams in the first game rather than Brendan Pickerel, who was supposed to be only on TMO duties during this. Um, James Dolman was supposed to be the second game as planned. Um, but they were also supposed to be... Nick Berry was supposed to be uh, across doing some of the Samoa versus Tonga game uh, as well and with some of them helping out in the Fiji All Blacks game. So they've been moved around. We were supposed to have Ben O'Keefe this Saturday. That's who it was supposed to be. I don't know whether that is going to be the case. They haven't made any announcement. The bubble is open with Queensland, so he is able to get to Suncorp. Um, he officiated the Tonga versus Samoa game last Saturday uh, back at Mount Smart Stadium in Auckland again, which I watched, and I think he did a pretty good job in that. It's definitely the those are the teams that he looks better coaching than some of the teams... Um, especially when he's put in charge of, in the Super Rugby with New Zealand teams playing because he can get talked around. But in a few of those teams that aren't going to try and influence him, I think he'd be fine. I'd, I'd happily take O'Keefe and, and I'd love Paul Williams at this point. Like that'd be a dream because they don't take shit and I reckon they will just see that, yeah, again, that, yeah, they're not, they're not refing New Zealand. There's not much talk from the, from the players, from the captains. It'll be very just objective from either of those two. So fingers crossed. I, I don't usually wish for Ben O'Keefe, but after the last two games, it can't get much worse. Yeah, I think if, if a ref that actually pays attention to the offside line and the rock contest... Which have been such a big deal a, in Super Rugby. Again, so, again yeah, exactly, the focus yeah. is lost. So if, if the focus is there, France are going to get thrown off their normal game that they've been employing these tactics for two games now. Uh, I think that really shifts things towards us. I'm kind of in a place where I don't know which prediction to make because I thought the Wallabies would win well in game two and it didn't come to pass. I just want to see some sort of epiphany in the way that we play and don't fall into that trap of just being lost and, and losing our structure and just kicking in stupid times, box kicking, just driving me nuts. 
with some of the tactics we're using. Um, we need to play some smart rugby. We need to be direct and just match their physicality, I think. Um, that's a big thing. Yeah. I do wonder how different these games would have played out if, because in both games we've had tries early that have been called back for something, the forward pass to Hunter Paisami in the first game, and then the knock-on prior to Korobiti's sort of magic run there as well. I do wonder how they would have worked out differently with just cutting out those small errors in our game, which is the hope, right? There's a hope we can do that. I, I really think that something we haven't seen in either game is even though the Australian team has been dominant in, in most sort of quarters of play, possession, like moving forward, gaining metres, must have had 500 metres in the first half of this game. It was ridiculous. Um, and yet the infringements that haven't been called um, means that we haven't had those kind of rolling back-to-back penalties that move you up the field and really build pressure on your opposition. And that's something which I think we can still do. I think we still have the capability to hold onto the ball simplify a bit don't push the width so hard get rid of the cutout passes um from Tamua and and just build phases get to seven plus phases and get some advantage and play with your advantage we haven't got in that situation very often because the ball's been taken off us or because we've spilled it and if we can just do that then you get so many more opportunities because you've stretched the defense you can now try something like a Paisami cross field kick um, and there's essentially, you know, there's only reward, um, no risk. You get back for the penalty, no slots it, great. We're, we're not really playing, building into that penalty advantage and, and expanding from there. We're kind of expan- being expansive too early. So that's what I'd like to see change. And if we do that, I think I still think we're the better team. As long as we've got a fresh 15 that are ready to play and don't don't tire too early, I think we should be that, that team that's a couple of tries ahead getting towards half time and, and feeling comfortable, but confident. So I'm, I'm willing to tip the Wallabies to Suncorp with whatever changes are made. I think there'll be, I think there will be some more reds in this team. Um, brings, bring on some of the really consistent, skillful guys that haven't had a chance yet. And let's, let's, you know, get out early and hopefully oh, <laughs> treats us well with a whistle. Yeah. Give treats me Wallabies fairly. by two. Give me Wallabies by two, Arch. It's a sure thing. Sure thing. Two and two and two. Two, two and two. And it's going to go back and forth for a one-two series. That game, of course, is preceded by a few other games this weekend. Obviously, Samoa and Tonga having another hit out um, down in Waikato. That's the opener for the All Blacks Fiji game. Um, If you get a chance, definitely have a look at this um, Samoa team. They were impressive last weekend. Um, You'll see some familiar faces in the likes of Henry Stowers from the Brumbies. Uh, Taifu from the force who goal kicks for Samoa and was goal kicking really well and is like a prime playmaker for them. He just obviously takes a step up when playing for his country there. He was absolutely intense against Tonga. Stacey Ely also got across the line in this game as well, who we've seen for the Rebels there. So really interesting. And I would have much preferred to see that Samoan team try and take on the All Blacks a couple of weeks ago than this Tonga team that's still getting stuck. Um, a little bit with getting players back from um, European competitions. And then, obviously, Fiji All Blacks again. I didn't actually realise, um, but Fijian, the Fijians were actually hampered in that last game. They had their, they had one halfback from their squad that they wanted to have there because Frank Lamani and another player from Australia, oh, Sarovi, was both stuck in Australia and couldn't join the squad. And so 
when they had to replace their halfback 60 minutes in because he got injured, they had to bring on a fullback to play halfback for their team. And that coincides with the time that sort of the All Blacks just started sort of running away with it. So they lost a bit of that structure. So another game with that Fijian intensity um, with having the appropriate personnel and a few more of those structures in place. And I think we're, we're in for a, one hell of an entertaining afternoon between those games and then heading over to Suncorp in the evening. Looking over at the British and Irish Lions over there in South Africa, and they've obviously had four games on this tour now, um, including that first game versus Japan. They've had the two games now versus the Sharks, winning that last one on the 10th, 71 to 31. Um, They're down actually playing, uh, probably by the time you hear this, they'll have played the South Africa A-team um, and that's down at Cape Town on the 14th. And then this weekend, they're playing the Stormers. Um, so, I mean, the Springboks are sort of reeling still after a bunch of positive COVID cases cancelled their game versus Georgia, the likes of um, Fran Stain and... Uh, Andre Pollard. Pollard, yep, and Mal Herber, and as well as a whole bunch of the coaching staff having tos- positive test results. So um, they would be reeling. So it's going to be interesting who ends up in this South Africa A team that plays because they'll obviously be needing a few people um, as cover for the prime squad as well. Um, but they've, they've still got a week and a half before that first British and Irish Lions versus Springboks test hits off. But we are getting closer and the, the Lions are sort of rolling at the moment with the, especially the likes of their back three. You had um, Josh Adams as the top sort of try scorer having... How many over the last two games? He didn't even play in the last game, but seven over that first one versus the Lions and then versus the Sharks with a, a four and then a hat trick. And France um, van der Merwe uh, as well, being, this, I think, second leading try scorer on that team as well. So they're very much rolling. And they've had to, unfortunately, had to call in reinforcements because Finn Russell, um, his tour is over. And they've... Um, called up the young gun Marcus Smith who led the Harlequins to victory in the Premiership and has been playing for England is now going to join the squad in South Africa as well. Yeah, exciting times for them. Shame Finn Russell has done his um, Achilles, was it? He's, he's out now. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty awful for him. It was um, obviously a lot of discussion whether he should be um, starting at 10 there in the Lions and, and now the opportunity has been taken away. So I uh, can't wait to see this first game. This Springboks A squad they've picked is a strong squad. Um, it looks like a Springbok team for the most part. So hopefully they take it to the Lions and um, knock them about a bit even if they don't get the win. Well, we might just leave it there regarding the internationals. Um, the final round of Major League Rugby is taking place this weekend. Um, But the playoffs are more or less locked up with the Giltinis and the Warriors um, being the finalists from the Western Conference uh, with the Eastern Conference, Atlanta securing a position. Um, Technically, Nola Gold can get in over New York uh, if they get in with a bonus point. Um, But it's, it's looking slightly unlikely for them. So we should see a fairly compelling... A um, couple of games once we get into the playoffs here. Obviously, uh, the Giltinis continuing to roll here. They had a close one against Austin on the weekend, but some good defensive work from Billy Meeks, I think we saw there, as well as Gitto returning to some starting position as well. 
We will be back next week to break down and see what happened on the weekend at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, as soon as lineups come out, we will get them to you on our socials at Running Rugby Podcast or at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. Um, make sure you are listening. Make sure you're staying tuned and make sure you're getting your tips in as well. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be back again. And remember, keep on running. Run.